God's people, on today's show, we deal with the serpent in the Garden of Eden and his conversation with Eve and how you have to be careful about who you align yourself with as a believer in Christ. We are going to be talking about the inner layer, the outer layer, and the core of the racial injustice issues that are happening in our world today. What should we do as believers? How should we do as believers? Where do we go? How do we talk about this? I don't know. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. Inspiration, now in session. Inspire God's people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. God's people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your genes. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. The serpent doesn't offer forgiveness. All right, so rock with me, people. First of all, thank you so much for being here today. If you're a first-time listener, we appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Check out the show on InspireGodsPeople.com, or you might be listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Doesn't matter how you listen, the show is on all these platforms just to make sure you can listen however it's comfortable for you. Also, don't sleep on the fact that we are on iHeartRadio, which is on a lot of people's smart TV, and so you can search Inspire Guys People there as well. But at the end of the day, InspireGuysPeople.com, hit the drop-down box and select podcast. You can go and listen to every show. So, of course, there's a lot going on in the world today. And in the midst of all of that, guess who released a new music project? I did. It's called To Whom It May Inspire. And really the idea behind it is like, I know that the things I talk about are not for everyone. So it's To Whom It May Inspire. I guess that the title actually explains it. It's just for the people who want it. You know what I mean? And like what we'll talk about today, not going to be for everybody. Uh, definitely asking you to take off your emotions today. I know that we are just in a charged up situation in the world. My goal today is not to trigger you, not to charge up those emotions. I want to have some intellectual conversation. I want to kick it with mature believers. That is what we are all about. And definitely our end goal. Keep this in mind. When we talk on this show, it is with the purpose of godly inspiration in Jesus Christ in the Bible, whether we're talking about faith. We ain't just talking about faith like, oh, you're going to get a car. You're going to get this. No, mm, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. Talking about faith in Christ Jesus, right? We talking about business, wealth. We not talking about these things just to talk about them or for you to just get wealth, just to get it. No, we are trying to point you back to Christ. And hopefully we've been consistent in doing that for the last couple of years. This is not a new part of the conversation for us. Again, I urge everyone, go and listen to the previous shows. If you already heard him, go back and revisit him so you can fact check me and see like, has he already been on this or is he riding away? All right. Um, I got to be honest with y'all, okay? Because y'all are my listeners. Oh, To Whom It May Inspire by J. Will Music. That's all one word. J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C. You can check out my music, man. Stream my music. Add me to your Apple Music playlist and your Spotify playlist. And please give it ratings and share. 
this stuff helps. At this point, you don't really make money off music. Please believe me. I don't like music doesn't I don't make music because I want to be famous or because I make a lot of money. I literally make it to share the gospel and share my art the way that God has given it to me. It really is just me sharing a piece of what, you know, how the Lord inspires me. So it's not really nothing other than that. You know what I'm saying? It's like just rock with it. Hopefully it blesses you and edifies the saints. All right, so I got to be honest, because y'all my people, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's about here. That's why I like this show. I actually recorded yesterday a two-hour episode entitled A Conversation for Mature Believers. You know, with everything going on in the world today, like I'm really just trying to have a conversation the right way. And if I'm being honest with y'all, uh, first of all, that two-hour episode, like if you're listening to this, obviously I didn't drop that one. It doesn't mean I'm never going to drop it. Maybe email me if you want to hear it, and I'll figure out a way to maybe share it with select people. But it's two hours of just really breaking down everything that's going on in the world today, and it really is only for mature believers. But again, if you're interested in that, email me, Music at, at gmail.com. Jermaine, J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E, Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N, music, M-U-S-I-C, at gmail.com. That's all one word. But I thank God because um, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, I, I'm really like just trying to have the conversation and I'm just being upfront and transparent with y'all. You know, the, the two goals that I really have with the conversation is a, you know, really to point people to Christ, because I don't think you can have a conversation that really is dealing with sin from a fleshly perspective. Now, I understand that and I'm not judging anyone, but I am. I'm just saying like. At the end of the day, our flesh can't solve God's problems. See, episode, I believe, 28 was about abortion, solving God's problems. And it's a similar issue. And so that's my first thing. How do I have a conversation right now and point people to Christ when, being honest, a lot of people don't want to hear about Christ right now? And I know we don't want to say that. Even Christians don't want to hear about Christ right now. People are saying things like, I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of this. It's time to take action. Yeah, on the flesh, on the surface, sounds amazing. I get it. Totally justified. But uh, in reality, as a Christian, as a believer in the Bible, I cannot abandon the, abandon the principles of the Bible just because something serious has happened. I didn't do it during the pandemic. I didn't do it when my grandfather died. Didn't do it when my grandmother died. Can't do it now. Didn't do it when my wife lost her job. Didn't do it when I was broke. Didn't do it when I was in the hood. Didn't do it when I almost failed out of college one year. Didn't do it when I almost uh, couldn't afford to come back to college and needed three days to get $3,200. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a lot of bad things that happen in life, right? And I'm not here to kind of figure out which one is worse and compare people's sins and compare people's struggles. I don't do that. But what I'm saying is that in the midst of all those things, I don't think there's a time you can justify abandoning your faith. Not if you actually believe the Bible. So first thing is like, all right, how do we have this conversation as Christians? Um, I'm not seeing a lot of Christian voices leading the conversation. If I'm being honest, I'm seeing a lot of Christian voices join the conversation, but they are not leading it, which means um, not pointing people to Christ. I'm not saying not any, not, not anyone is doing that. I'm not saying that. Any, uh, anyway, I know how to talk, though. I can talk. I'm not saying that no one is doing it, but I am saying that largely what I'm seeing, especially from a celebrity standpoint, uh, major 
artists and those type of people are just joining the conversation that the world is having. So, A, I want to point people to Christ. B, I want to actually address the issue. So I don't want to point people to Christ as like a way to deflect from racial injustice or any problem that we're having, right? Any issues that come up. That's why we talked about so many things on this show. And I keep telling y'all, my approach has been to be proactive. It hasn't been to wait until something happens to react. Because guess what, people? We live in a fallen world. Something is going to happen next week and the week after. And guess what? With the power of the news and the media today during an election year, keep in mind, an election year. That's a very important part of this puzzle. If you look at a, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give a percentage, but look at these um, killings and murders and things that are, that are justifiably wrong, right? I want to make that clear. And I'm black and I'm from the hood and I grew up in poverty. Like, so I, and I've experienced racial injustice um, or prejudice or whatever at various levels. So I don't even feel like I should have to give all these disclaimers. Um, you know, you can't, like being black, you can, it's so funny. Like people try to like tell you how to be black. And um, yeah, there we are, we are people. We are different too. We're not all just one group of people that think the same way. Anyway, anyway, anyway. My point is, I don't want to deflect from the issue because I think it's a real issue that the church needs to have too. And I do think it's long overdue and having it the right way. But I don't want that to be done. I don't want to march for um, evil causes. I don't. And I don't want to march or protest or speak or be a part of organizations or things who don't have the ultimate goal of pointing people back to Christ. My blackness, as proud as I am to be black, um, with a little bit of dab of Mexican, what, Mexican, what up to my people south of the border? Um, I'm proud of who I am and who God created me to be. Um, and that was his choice. None of us chose to be who we are. Um, I think it's interesting that sometimes we think we're better than the next group of people and they think they better than us. It happens on all sides. And it's funny to me because it's like, bro, none of us chose. You didn't choose to be tall. You didn't choose to be cute, ugly have the type of hair you have. You just are thankful and proud of who God made you, but it was his choice. So at the end of the day, let's jump into it, man. Um, this is the new conversation after recording the two-hour episode that I'm having, and I hope you have the right mentality rocking with me um, at the end of the day. Um, hopefully you hear my heart in the go, and if you're a new listener, I advise you to go back and listen. Please don't get triggered. If you disagree with me, there's a proper way to disagree. We could talk about it. We could think about it. Uh, we could still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, just because we disagree about non-essential things. So if I say something and you're not feeling that, I'm not necessarily trying to be right. Let's keep that in mind. I'm trying to have this conversation and point people back to Christ. Uh, I'm not really concerned about um, pointing the finger at who's wrong and who's right. I just really want to have a real discussion with you. So let's do it. And let's talk about some things in the Bible. And in order to do that, we actually have to read the Bible. But before we do that, I think it's only right since I've been talking about my new music that I play at least like a one minute clip of a new song. This song is entitled Purpose in the Wild. I literally love this song. And I'm going to share a little bit of the last verse, which is my absolute favorite verse on the song and one of my favorite verses on the entire album. My or not an album it's called an EP, um, but which stands for extended play. 
uh, my favorite line in the entire song, like the favorite um, lyric or whatever, is, well, I'm walking through the wild with my purpose out. Now they accuse me of being perfect. Wow. I love that. And that's what I'm doing today. It's a wild world out there. It's darkness. And when it's a dark world and everybody's going one way and God sends you another way to do something for another cause, his cause, his purpose, it's like you walking in the wild with your purpose out. People don't want to hear God. They don't want to see purpose right now. They want to be um, in, in their flesh. And, and we, we want to solve this ourselves. We don't want to depend and lean on God. And so what happens is when you walk through the wild with your purpose out, people accuse you of being perfect. Wow. That's how I feel right now. I'm not trying to be perfect, not trying to point the finger, but I am trying to point people to Christ. Like, how, like, as a Christian, like, do y'all, do y'all think I should abandon that? Like, is now the time? And I'm serious. It's almost like people want me to abandon what God called me to do. God knew this was coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, this didn't surprise God. So when he tells you to do something, the circumstances doesn't change the call. And so many times we think that the circumstances in the world is what shape our purpose. And that's why this show has been about balancing your faith in your business to guide you to your purpose. Not waiting on life to happen to you to find purpose, but actually seeking God for purpose in advance so that you will be prepared. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm walking through the wild with my purpose out. Check out Purpose in the Wild from my project, To Whom It May Inspire. By yours truly, J. Will Music. I don't know if they could feel this freedom flow. Maybe they prefer something else, not from the soul. Hit them with a little rob and a scheming, bro. Maybe even if you called them a 304. Well, I'm walking through the wild with my purpose out. Now they accuse me of being perfect. Why? I guess I'm bad for thinking good. Or maybe you're just misunderstood. See, I'm just like you, a former slave. Bound by sin before freedom saved. Wilderness is where most of the learning takes place. We spend our time when we don't know what to do, doing nothing. You just heard Purpose in the Wild by yours truly, J. Will Music, from my new project entitled To Whom It May Inspire. The question is, are you inspired? If so, add me to your playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. I can talk. I can talk. I'm going to just make a song called I Can Talk <laughs> on Apple Music and Spotify just by searching J. Will Music. Again, that's one word, J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C. Please check me out also on InspireGuysPeople.com. All right, so let's do work. Let's get into this. The serpent doesn't offer forgiveness. All right, so listen up. You know, there's a lot going on in the world, and I'm seeing a lot of people, Christians included, um, out protesting and standing up for injustice, racial injustice in particular. And, you know, number one, I just want to commend you. Like, I want to commend people who are doing what they believe is genuinely the right thing to do. And I also think a lot of people out there, like, you know, what I'm going to talk about today, I think most people and probably most of the people listening to this today have, um, good reason and have good intentions. That's the word, the, the phrase I'm looking for. I believe most people have good intentions about what they're doing out here, but I can't, I got to be honest and be real with y'all, right? We are mature people. We're mature believers and we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. 
And as a part of that, I can't um, overlook part of the um, conflict in what I see as well. And hopefully today we could talk about some of those things. And maybe some people aren't aware of, you know, the, the different layers. So, so keep in mind, and this was kind of the approach I took with the two hour episode. It was, it was, I created, you know, a, a format to try to explain it or, um, you know, I don't know if format is the right word, whatever. I, I created an illustration to try to explain it. Um, you got to look at this issue that we are having in the world today as it's layered. There's an outer layer, right? That's just everything that you see happening on the surface. There's an inner layer, right? So that's when you start peeling back the surface stuff and start actually looking at some of the real issues. And then there's the core, right? And the core is really what this stuff is really, really, really all about, okay? So I broke it down in three ways. And I think I'm going to give a simplified version of that and talk about some of those things because I do think it's very important to understand these issues from that. So let me tell you this, for any of my new listeners, and I think, you know, for my listeners that, you know, rock with me every week, y'all will know that I'm not a surface person. I've said that a million times on this show. Um, and my new way to explain this, uh, my new analogy is that you have surfers and you have divers and surfers are people that catch waves, right? They go out. Yeah, dude, cowabunga. I got one, Johnny. I don't know why I just did that, but, uh, you know, that that's what a surfer is. Like a surfer is someone they see a big wave and they trying to catch that wave. Right. But they stay on top. They stay on the surface. A diver. Oh, man, divers, they don't need waves. They want to know what's really under that water, right? They might want to know what's causing the wave or what, what life like is down deep down in the water and get to the core. I am a diver. This show is for divers. Um, if you're a surfer, I'm not mad at you all due respect, but there are surfers who just want to live life on the surface don't really want to peel back layers, don't necessarily want to know what something really means or what it's really about, but just want to catch the wave. And if you a surfer, man, look, surfers have a lot of fun. It's cool. It's dope. Um, but I'm a diver. And I just want to make that known to you. Uh, make that known to you. My bad. So let's do this. Let's dive into the word of God. We are going to start off at Genesis 2, verses 15 to 17. And you're going to find out what I'm talking about when I say the serpent doesn't offer forgiveness. Verse 15 says this, reading from the New Living Translation, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Verse 17. Except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Let's read verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. All right, cool. That's Genesis verse 2. Chapter 2 anyway. And uh, verses 15 through 18. And what you have going on there is basically... God places Adam, the first man, in this garden. And he's like, yo, you're going to tend to this garden. You're going to watch over it. But look, you can eat anything in here. But you see that tree right there? Don't eat that 
fruit. Don't eat the fruit, Adam. Don't eat the fruit. I don't know why I said that like that. Don't eat the fruit. I should name this episode, Don't Eat the Fruit. Anyway, so he tells him don't do that. But here's what I find interesting, folks. Then right after that, God is like, all right, it's not good that he's alone, so I'm going to make him a helper, right? So that tells me at this point when Adam received the instruction not to eat of the fruit, Eve did not even exist yet. Wow. That's kind of weird. Because if we go to uh, Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7, I believe. Let's check this out. So Eve wasn't there when God gave the direction not to eat the fruit. So how do we get to this? The serpent, verse 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? First of all, don't y'all find it interesting that the serpent is talking to the woman and the woman wasn't even there when God gave the instruction? Like, sometimes, like, I just want to think about this real quick. Sometimes people have, they, they get involved in things or they have so much to say, they have an opinion, and they wasn't even there when God gave the direction. They ain't, you know, you ain't even read the word and we got, you know, opinions and thoughts and things. And that's why, that's part of the reason why I'm a diver because with things like this, we could look on the surface and everybody mad at Eve, Eve, I'm gonna tell Eve when I get there. It's like, okay, it might be a little bit of Eve in us. Like you might have a little Eve in you. You might be jumping in some things without knowing what's really going on and having an opinion and, and, and thinking you heard God or thinking that because you heard what God said that you really know what God said. And remember, the serpent is shrewd. You have to understand how the enemy works. The enemy is not, he doesn't play fair. He doesn't. And sometimes we engage, the, we engage Satan like he plays fair. All right, let's keep going. Uh, what am I on? Verse two. I only made it through one verse. Sorry. Of course, we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden. This is Eve talking. The, the woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Verse four. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Verse six, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful in it and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Okay, let's pause. So the serpent engaged, the shrewd serpent engages the woman convinces her it says she was convinced but then it says she saw the beauty of the tree and how delicious the fruit looked and a lot of time when the enemy engages us he's like well oh, god didn't say that this is this is what the bible say right he kind of gives us that nudge this is what god said and it's really close to the truth this is what makes it so tricky it's close enough to the truth that if you stay on the waves on the surface it actually looks like the truth right it makes sense. And then on top of that, it's beautiful and it looks delicious. It's like, yo, it's it's attractive. A lot of times the things that the enemy presents to us are attractive. It, satis it satisfies things in our flesh. 
Right? That's why we want to do it. Okay, cool. Here's the other thing. Not only did he convince someone that wasn't even there, her husband is with her because it says she took some and gave it right to him. So I don't know if he's right there when the, the, the talking happens or if she walked over to him, right? That's not necessarily clear in the scripture. Uh, not necessarily even that important. But my point is, he's the one that got the direction from God, but he allowed her to be convinced by the serpent. Which kind of shows me that sometimes you know exactly what God is calling you to do, right? Inspire God's people. You know exactly what God is leading you and guiding you to do, but you allow people around you, right? People who weren't there when God told you to do what he told you to do to start to influence you to change what God said. And it looks good. It looks attractive. You kind of want to be a part of it, but you know deep down inside that that's not what God said. Here's the other part. Verse uh, seven is interesting to me. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Their eyes were open. And so, so we could say they were woke. <laughs> I think sometimes we desire to be woke so bad that we don't even care if it's the enemy that's waking us. All right, let's move on. The serpent doesn't offer forgiveness. What do I mean by this? What I'm saying with this is that when Adam and Eve allowed the serpent to convince them to do something, then it set them on a path that the serpent couldn't forgive them for. What do I mean by this? There are times like we, I know that there are people who are righteous right now. You have a righteous indignation. You are out and you are, you know, you're chanting Black Lives Matter. You got your Black Lives Matter t-shirt. You're excited, excited reposting that the street is named Black Lives Matter and they painted Black Lives Matter in the, in the street. And you're excited about a lot of the things that's happening. Uh, our Caucasian uh, brothers and sisters are starting to speak up and share their um, regret and remorse for uh, racial injustice. And you have a righteous cause. But I want to give you um, a caution. I want to put out some, a caution sign for the believers out there. When you walk down the path of the serpent, the serpent is not going to forgive you. Meaning, once you set down that path, you're going to have to deal with what that path creates. And so once we march alongside a cause that does not point people to Christ, then we're going to have to live with the results of that cause. Now, don't allow yourself to get frustrated at what I'm saying right now um, because I'm at the outer layer, right? And we have not yet peeled back a layer. I haven't yet given the other side of the story and all of those things, but I got to be real and address what I'm seeing and what the Lord has put on my heart. Before I move forward, though, I want to go to one more scripture and then we'll start peeling back some layers. Second John. Um, let's go second John book of second John. Let me get there in my phone. So we're going to go second John. Uh, this is, is well, chapter one, right? It's only one. And we're going to read verses four through 11. Okay. So here's what it says. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as their father commanded. Okay. I should have started at five. I, that. That verse, I mean, 
every verse in the Bible is relevant, but uh, I don't know why I started there or why I wrote that down. We really starting at, at verse five to um, kind of bring out the point. I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Let's pause. I like this because, you know, I spent two episodes ago kind of telling everybody like, yo, this isn't new. Like, we didn't just get on this. Like, the things that I'm talking about, I've been talking about this. Like, and again, sometimes the problem with waves is that they come and go. But for the divers out there, like we, we don't wait for waves to find our purpose. Loving one another is not new. This, isn't, this is something we've had since the beginning. First and foremost, as believers, this should not be new to us. Verse 6, though, this is where it starts getting deep. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into this world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a, deceive, a, a deceiver and an antichrist. Verse 8. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you, will re, so that you receive your full reward. Verse 9. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Verse 11. Anyone who encourages such people becomes a partner in their evil work. I know that was a lot. We have to acknowledge the Bible. The Bible, this is just one scripture. There are many scriptures. Y'all know I don't believe in trying to take one scripture and make it mean something. There are many scriptures that support the idea that anyone who comes with a message that is not rooted in Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior, believing that he came in a real body, right? Resur died and resurrected for our sins. Anyone who has a message that is not rooted and grounded in that version of loving one another, the Bible's version of loving one another, right? So that, that goes on both sides. That goes for uh, whites who, want, who call themselves Christians, but they don't love blacks, right? You're not, you're not operating in the word. You are actually operating in an anti-Christ mindset. And also blacks, right? Blacks who only want to love blacks. Blacks who only want to preach loving one another. I know that we need love. I know that we've experienced injustice and a lack, but we have to be careful not to allow our lack, our past, our history to create a new doctrine that is not rooted in God's version of love. Because the Bible actually tells us anyone who partners with that type of a movement or person or organization becomes a partner in their evil work. So it doesn't, it's like you can't detach your involvement in it from what it really means, right? Okay, so now let's start peeling back some of the layers of this onion um, of racial injustice and racism and everything that's going on in the world today. This is going to be a, a more brief version of my two-hour episode that I'm not planning on releasing, at least at this point. Uh, maybe one day you'll get a more in-depth uh, version of the same thing. But the outer layer, right, the things that we just see happening on the, on the outside, here are some things I wrote down. 
there is injustice towards blacks that kind of caused this uproar. Um, you have Joy, George Floyd was murdered uh, by a police officer. These videos are coming out, right? And I think it's very clear in the videos that are being shared that these are murders. These are acts of violence um, and racial injustice. There was no need to put your knee on my man's neck and things like that, right? So um, part of what we have to think about today is that the, the acts themselves are definitely wrong, right? And racial injustice and prejudice is real. I've experienced it. However, as a believer, it's not just about the what, right? It's about the, like, what do we, like, like what's the next steps? How do, we, how? how do we resolve this? And I think that's where we will have to separate ourselves from a lot of the people in the world and a lot of the organizations and the movements of the world who are the leading voices on these issues right now is because although we may agree with the initial what um, and the fact that this is wrong, um, how to resolve it. Uh, from a biblical standpoint, may look very different from someone who doesn't believe in the Bible, who doesn't believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, and who has a very different purpose and cause and uh, meaning for what they're trying to overall accomplish, right? And we have to be careful, even though we have good intentions, not to allow ourselves to become partners, partners in evil works. So what's, what else is on the outer layer? This is an election year, right? And if you go through the past, at least, I don't know, the last two or three elections, you will notice that a lot of, I don't, I don't want to use the word a lot. You will notice that there seems to always be stories like this that pop up strategically during an election year, because I believe that, um, you know, political parties need division. Division benefits politics because they need you to be on one side or the other. They don't need you to be in between Make America Great Again and Black Lives Matter, because both are political movements, which we will talk about a little later. Um, they are not just phrases, right? A lot of times people um, with good intentions attached to the phrase and the idea and, the, and, and what, they, what they think it means. But what ends up happening is that organizations have greater and deeper meanings behind them, and we end up getting behind causes that doesn't allow us to reflect Christ. I think it's worth me saying as well, I'm an independent. I don't have a loyalty or an allegiance to either political party my allegiance is to Christ Jesus. There will be some issues that Democrats make and some that Republicans make. And I try to hear them both out. And there will be sometimes I think the left is right. Sometimes I think the right is right. It depends on the situation. It depends on what we're talking about in that moment. I am not biased towards either view. So uh, we have that going on. We have the fact that it's a presidential election year and that people are benefiting from division. People, you know, when they come to these rallies and debates, they need issues to debate. And they also need us charged up. And there's no way to do that better in America than creating racial tension. How do you create racial tension? You see something that's really real, right? So, hey, this is a real story. You got to um, also on the outer layer, we have to understand how the media chooses news and what the purpose of the media is. The media's entire goal is to get people to watch or read or listen to their platforms, right? So they need the most eyes possible. Um, a political party's agenda is to drive their message during this campaign season. So we understand how politics and media go hand in hand. Also understand, you can look this up just Googling it. Each media outlet has a political bias, right? Most of them do. There are some that fall in the middle. But a lot of media um, outlets, you know, it, it's like, hey, Fox leans towards um, the right. CNN leans, leans towards the left. You'll have things. So the way they report and the way it's going to benefit with their political agenda is, 
is they have to report things a certain way. So they pick stories. They see stories every day. You're not seeing every story in America, right? But the way you get people charged up is to pick, handpick issues, show videos, present images. Um, this creates trauma in the human mind and brain. There are people that are hurting right now silently because we are literally um, invading each other and just dominating each other with this information. We're posting it. Bam, bam, bam. But we're posting it, I know, because you have a righteous indignation. You have good intentions. I am not questioning your intentions today, but I am asking that we may look at our intentions through the lens of the Bible. All right, still on the outer layer, um, we are seeing corporations left and right now specifically using the term Black Lives Matter. When you log into Instagram right now, it says at the top, Black Lives Matter. Then it goes on to say, we stand with uh, the black community, something about race, against racial injustice. I'm paraphrasing that. But you're going to see specifically, I, I bought some Kohans this week. I was on their website shopping. Kohan, like uh, at the top, Black Lives Matter. Like you'll see on um, Adidas was something. I was on Adidas site this week and I, I didn't look. I liked how they did it. They had racism with a line through it. And I don't know their political views, but I noticed Adidas was one of the few companies that I saw that addressed the issue but they did not specifically use the phrase Black Lives Matter. You're going to understand why I'm saying this. Again, there's Black Lives Matter, the idea or the thought, and then there's Black Lives Matter, the organization. And what has happened is that the organization and the thought are married together. So it has blurred the lines between us knowing when someone says it, are they talking about the thought, the idea, which I believe many people think they're marching for, but in return, you are actually supporting and pushing the agenda. When Black Lives Matter is in the streets of Washington, D.C., leading towards the White House, I believe, personally, that that is the organization that is being represented because the organization represents a political party, a political point of view and agenda, which, as you see, the next phase of this is going to be driving people to vote. But not just driving people to vote in general, specifically driving people to vote against Trump. Voting against Trump means voting Democrat, which is similar to what Joe Biden came out and said, which is, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Okay, so and I'm paraphrasing. I think that's how he worded it. But he basically said, if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. And so at the end of the day, we have a white man coming out that is telling us that we are not even black if we don't vote for this. And then now Black Lives Matter, the term, the idea, the sentiment is now married to the organization, right? Which the or you got to credit the organization for making it as big as it is, right? Just being fair. Um, but that thought and that sentiment is married to an organization. The organization is married to a political view, which is going to specifically drive you to vote Democrat. And then what that in turn means is that actually Joe Biden, what he said, that's why you don't see a lot. That just disappeared. Nobody's talking about it because he is in alignment with their agenda. This is the problem with politics and agendas. You can say crazy stuff as long as you agree because the Black Lives Matter side is on the Democrat side. Hey, we don't mind Joe Biden saying if you don't vote a white man saying if you don't vote for this side, you're not black because this is the black side. Remember, I said people benefit from choosing sides by creating the, the Republican side as the white side. 
and the Democrat side is the black side. Now you can start forcing people and actually in, in a form of mind control, making people literally believe if I don't vote for this, I'm not black. This is the black side. I think it's genius marketing. I think it's evil, but I think it's genius. These people are literally expert marketers in my mind. They have marketed something in a way that I don't know that I've ever seen before, where people can be out marching, wearing shirts, and thinking that they are literally saying from a sentimental standpoint that black lives matter, but in turn, they are for furthering an organization whose I mean, just go to their website. I think it's just blacklivesmatter.com. I was on there yesterday reading. Listen, these people are not hiding. I commend them, number one. They aren't hiding their agenda. They're telling you one of the founders is a queer. She calls this the most important thing. She says, most importantly, I'm a black queer woman. And that's part of what she wants to do. One of the other founders is a feminist. A transnational feminist is how she describes herself, or at least how it's described on the website. And they go on to further say, and I'm paraphrasing all of this. I go in depth on the longer episode and I read the bios and say the names, but that stuff took a long time. So I'm giving you kind of the, the, um, the tidbits that you can go and read yourself because I don't want to misrepresent them. They are also very educated, just reading. They have a lot of prestige and awards behind them. I got to be fair, right? Um, but, um, you know, two of the three of them, right? One is a feminist. One, of, one is a queer. This is by their own um, descriptions on their website. And they, they openly say that their agenda is about not just black as a skin color, but they include the LGBT movement. And ultimately what they're trying to do is push feminism. Uh, is it feminism? Feminism? I can talk. But they're trying to push all of these things. So what am I saying? As we are furthering this organization, thinking that we are furthering racial injustice, we are actually giving political power and strength to an organization whose desires do not align with the word of God. None of them are professing Christians, at least by their website, and they have said mostly everything else about themselves. Um, so I have no reason to believe that they're professing Christians, and at least not Bible-believing Christians, which is their right. I'm not criticizing them for that. But just factually speaking, as we are now married, our cause is married to a political organization with an agenda that is outside that of the word of God to further and push a cause, what happens when we give them the power to now start attaching their other agendas in the other parts of their identity outside of being black to, to a similar cause to say, hey, you must now publicly state your allegiance to our cause, right? So replace it with feminism. Uh, would be a feminist. Oh, I can't say that word. I got to look it up, man. Get Google or something. Help me out, somebody. Um, or think about the LGBT movement. Just replace everything that we're seeing with Black Lives Matter with Queer Lives Matter, right? Th this is their ultimate goal. You have to have foresight as a believer. You got to read the word of God. And so now what happens when you find yourself that if you're a business owner and you have a, a, a queer out day, a blackout, just like blackout, and if you don't post this, we are going to attack you. We're going to say, don't support their business if they don't support this movement. You see how this takes away free will. It takes away the stance of the Bible. This, my people, my believers in Christ Jesus. Whew, I, I think I just, I might have ended up at the core. I was trying to stay at the outer layer. layer. My bad. It's a lot to say. But let, let me, let me kind of, let me hold, let me, let me get back, reel myself in. Okay, there's a lot I want to share with y'all. Keep in mind, like, I'm not going to be able to say everything, 
This was my problem with the two-hour show. I said two hours worth of stuff. And then it got done. It's like, but I missed that. But I missed this. Ultimately, here's what I want to say. There's no way to solve a sin problem without God, without Christ. If I think, Jermaine, I'm talking to myself now, Jay Will. If I think I can solve racism in man's heart, sin in man's heart, because racism is sin, without Jesus Christ, wow, I'm trying to build a Tower of Babel now. See, that I'm trying to build the Titanic. I'm not building the ark. And this is why I've had these shows. I have a whole episode called The Ark Versus the Titanic. We're talking about nothing different here. This is the same biblical principles that I'm putting at play that I've always talked about. Why do you want to build the Titanic? It's all fleshly. It's all human desire. It's absent of God. The ark, that's God's purpose behind it. See what happened when you put God's purpose behind your movement. It preserves life. Okay. So that's something that we got to think about, y'all. Like we're trying to force sin out of people's heart. But then we're ignoring other sins. This is really weird to me. One of the things that happened, we're still on the outer layer. Plant Parenthood, you know, the abortion clinic, right? And keep in mind that like in a place like New York, more babies are aborted every year than born, right? I don't know the national numbers, but I know New York was one of the first places, I believe, in 2013 or 14, where they started aborting more babies annually than were birthed, right? Planned Parenthood put out even a Black Lives Matter thing. So do I think that they're aligning with the political agenda, Black Lives Matter? Or do I really believe that Planned Parenthood, who was still open during the pandemic, by the way, you could still go get an abortion during the pandemic, even though you can't go get a haircut. Interesting to me, right? We're just dealing with facts, right? I'm not, listen, you believe what you want to believe, but the facts are the facts. And I respect you if you disagree with me. But at the end of the day, these are facts. You could go get an abortion. Our Michigan governor called abortions essential. And meanwhile, you can't go get a haircut. Meanwhile, you can't go sit in a restaurant or you couldn't go sit with your family member that was on a ventilator. I know people who have lost their parents, lost their mothers and fathers and could not go sit with them in the hospital. Lavelle, uh, a co-host of this show occasionally, is expecting his first child, is not welcome in the hospital room for ultrasounds and the visits. That may have changed now, I'm not sure, but at the last time we spoke about it, he couldn't go sit with his wife on their appointments for their first child, but you could go get an abortion. Planned Parenthood said that Black Lives Matter. Do I believe that they really mean Black Lives Matter when they are, you know, aborting black lives? And abortion is one of the leading causes. I think the number one death of black people in America, for sure. But because it's not considered a death, it doesn't count in those statistics. And that is the trickiness of politics and agenda. Let's keep it moving. The protests, um, as I kind of said, are starting to evolve from being about racial injustice. Um, and now it's starting to be more about your politics and how you should vote. Right. And that is speaking to the fact that this is an election year. Um, also keep in mind the coronavirus pandemic. This is something very interesting to me. You can feel how you feel about it. I only want to deal with the facts. I'm not trying to attack anyone's point of view, but I find it interesting that the coronavirus was so deadly and serious. And it was, you know, it, and it did kill some people and people, like I said, couldn't go and sit with their loved ones. And I pray for those people. Our hearts from inspire guys, people goes out to you and understand that you too are going through a difficult time because you lost a loved one during this pandemic. And even though you couldn't go and be with that person or you had to alter their funeral or things like that, I find it quite interesting that in the middle of a pandemic, 
the narrative can change to now say you can go protest with 10,000 strangers. Again, I have no problem with the protests, but I have to be honest about the conflicts with all of this thing, this um, information and how it's being presented out. So the pandemic and the virus is too dangerous for me to go sit in a hospital room with, with my wife while we're expecting our first child, speaking for Lavelle in that situation, not me. Um, Lord willing, I will be expecting one at some point. Pray for us. You know what I'm saying? Keep the faith. But at the end of the day, it's too serious and dangerous and risky for that. So you don't allow me to make that decision. You take that freedom away from me. You make that decision for me as the government. But then you tell me, oh, yeah, you could go outside with 10,000 strangers because this situation is important. Again, I'm not saying that the situation isn't important, but how can you tell me that going outside with 10,000 strangers to protest something is important, but going and sitting with my one family member who I've loved and known my entire life is not important? Do you see the hypocrisy and the bias behind what's going on out here and why it's dangerous for believers to blindly? Again, I'm not judging you as a believer. If you whatever you're supporting, if you know why you're supporting it, I'm not here to condemn you. But I am here to shed a little bit of light on a lot of the things that are happening. So um, one of the other things that's happening is, again, social media is being dominated. And look, let's just be real about this. Um, there's also more racism being shown. You're seeing people on the other side, right? I'm seeing uh, people make fun of the George Floyd death. I've seen biz uh, Caucasian business owners uh, misrepresent and, and, and really show an ugly side of prejudice and racism, um, which justifies people feeling right. So you see why people feel so um, dignified and so emotional about this issue, because even as it's being exposed, I'm seeing business owners, right? White Caucasian business owners um, come out and express racism. And you have to understand on both sides, there's a reason people are reacting the way they are. Racism isn't fake, right? And these organizations are hijacking the cause, but that doesn't mean that the cause itself is fake. I think we just have to be mindful as believers about how we address racism, and we have to be thinking about it in a fair way. Um, and also, again, I'm seeing weird things. Let's peel back the layer. Let's go to the inner layer. Oh, the last thing I want to say on the outer layer, and this is a, a positive thing. Again, this kind of speaks to the other side of what I just said. There's an awareness for racism and prejudice, which I think is a good thing um, because, like, we have to be able to address it. Even as the church, I've seen these things hidden. Uh, my wife and I, I might have told y'all, I don't remember if I said it on the show or not, but last year, me and my wife did something called the church experiment. We called it the church experiment. We visited seven or eight churches, multicultural. Um, a couple, maybe two were pastored by black pastors, but they were both multicultural churches. Um, and the rest were pastored by white pastors. We just visited these churches over a two-month span. We had some very interesting findings, man. We took notes. We have notes and everything. And what I could tell y'all is that it's interesting. Like, we wanted to be able to say, look, if I'm a Christian, I should be able to stop randomly at any building in the world that's a Christian church, go in there and experience the love of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that happened in a lot of occasions, right? And in some occasions, it didn't. We went to a couple of churches in particular where we walked in and out of that service, was in there two hours, and no one ever said a word to us. And But we went in other occasions where white and black, where people greeted us at the door, showed us the love of God. You felt the love. You felt the energy. And we like to immerse ourselves in different cultures 
because this is how you can experience the love of that other culture. So one of the things we have to be careful of, and we're starting to peel back that inner layer now, in this second layer, I'm seeing where we're trying to guilt white people to an irrational point. This makes no sense. Uh, to my white believers and friend and family out there, I want you to be aware of racism and prejudice. I don't want you to ignore it like I believe some of you may have. But I also don't want you to be irrational. I don't want to now assume that every black person is a good person that you have to worship and idolize. And every white person is an evil devil that we must hate. And we must only unite by our race and not our faith. When Jesus Christ came into this earth in, in that body, all God, all man, he died on the cross and resurrected. And when he came back, he preached a message. I talk about this in my song called Seedless Saints. It's an interlude where it's a preach message and a rap uh, on my project called Inspire God's People. So I advise you to check that out if you can, if you want to. But I talk about the fact that there was a, a message that was so important that Jesus, when he resurrected from the dead, he came back and preached one last message to his disciples. And what he said to them was, now you must go out into the world and make more disciples of all men, of all nations, all nations. Jesus Christ thought it was so important that he didn't preach this message in his in his human body. He pre he preached this message in his resurrected form about going out and becoming disciples of all nations. Jesus Christ, when he united us by faith, he eliminated what we call race, which I believe in only one race. I believe in the human race. When I talk about race, I'm just talking in the jargon and the expressions that are understandable um, and in alignment with the way we talk about it in the world today. But ultimately, I don't believe in these races. I believe in nationalities. I believe that we have over time taken on different forms based on climates that we lived in. And even you could look at, hey, your brother or your sister, one of y'all got big ears, y'all look alike, but one got bigger nose. Then their kid, all their kids got the bigger nose. All your kids has the ears. Whatever it may be, you got to get into some Christian sciences for that. I've heard them talk about it and I believe it. I believe in one human race, but for sake of this conversation, I know that we consider nationality race. So again, Jesus Christ didn't unite us by our race. He united us by our faith. Both Jews and Gentiles now have the liberty and the freedom to accept Jesus Christ and to be saved. So we should be excited about that. And we should not be focusing in on one thing to try to unite ourselves. Even though I understand, y'all got to understand black people have felt these injustices so long that some of it is bottled up emotion. Here's what I'll say to, you know, my family out there, my brothers and sisters. Let's not respond in anger, right? And when you think about it, there's not, not really ever a good time that you should operate in your anger instead of your sound mind, right? Biblically speaking, there was this scene in Avengers, right? Now I'm talking about preaching a movie that's like a low-key demonic movie. But in the uh, Avengers Infinity Wars, they were fighting Thanos and they almost had him defeated. They almost had the gauntlet off of his hand. He had these five stones and when he snapped his fingers, he could eliminate half of the world. And they almost had this gauntlet off of his hand. And Star-Lord, I believe his name is, Chris Pat Pratt's characters from Guardians of the Galaxy. He found out in the middle of them fighting that Thanos had murdered his girlfriend who was also Thanos' adopted daughter, Gamora. Ironically, her name is Gamora. So what happens is, in the midst of that, he stopped fighting with his strategy and started fighting with his anger. 
And they were like, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man was like, no, no, calm down. Don't let, like, don't get, let your emotion get you. He allowed his emotions to get the best of him, started fighting with his emotions, and that gave Thanos the strength, just enough strength to get the gauntlet back on his hand, and he snapped his fingers and eliminated half of the population. What am I trying to say? When you operate in your emotion, you strengthen the stance of the enemy. All right, let's move on. All right, so now let's peel back that layer for real and get into this inner layer. You have Black Lives Matter, the idea and the sentiment, and Black Lives Matter, the organization. We've already separated the two, but unfortunately, the two are married. And I believe that what will ultimately get pushed at the end of all of this, because it's a political agenda at the end of the day and organization is the organization and the political stance and not the sentiment. And that by pushing Black Lives Matter specifically, not by pushing racial injustice, I think just as Christians, we have to reframe the conversation and the way we're sharing the conversation. And we have to be careful not to push Black Lives Matter. Look, this is what I told someone yesterday, a friend of mine, like, we don't need a hashtag, y'all. We just need to have the conversation. We don't need to have a movement or a t-shirt. We need the conversation, but we need the conversation to be godly so that it can be in its proper perspective. What I'm arguing today is that by allowing the conversation to be hijacked by political agendas, you are now having a different conversation than you are intending to in your righteousness. And in some ways, that conversation and those organizations are driving you to become self-righteous or driving us to become self-righteous. Because what ends up happening is me as a believer, it's not good for me now. Okay, we in this inner layer. I'm seeing, I, this, these are things I really saw that you could Google that's really out there. You got the white people, and I guess it was some black ones as well. You have white and black Democrats kneeling down in kente cloth. Like, why are these, listen, that, it looks weird. Now the same people who were celebrating all this change is now criticizing these white people for having on Clinton, Kente Claw. If I was white, I wouldn't know what to do right now. I'm just being real with y'all. What you want me to do? If I don't say nothing, I'm prejudiced. If I put on Kente cloth, now I'm, now I'm going too far. Listen, tell me how to be white. That's probably, white people probably thinking that. I know y'all love that I said that. But this, look, I'm, I'm being fair. This stuff goes on both sides. It's some things we're requiring of white people right now that doesn't make sense to me. Like, you want me. So a random guy murdered somebody and he was wrong in Minneapolis. And you want to come to me in Michigan or California, and I got to ap apologize to you. Did you know the guy? Because you got to understand, if a random black guy goes out and robs a white woman, which I know that has happened, I'm not apologizing. Listen, I don't, what did I do to you? I, this doesn't have nothing to do with me. There, this is what happens when you become self-righteous and you go away from the biblical stance of taking care of that beam in your eye before you take that moat out of someone else's eye. We have to deal with the beam in our eye. Now what happens in a tough thing, now we're getting in that inner layer. Whenever you talk about the beam in your own eye now, people call it deflecting. Listen, black people, we have a beam in our eyes. We have abortion. We have crimes. But here's what I want to say to my white friends and family as well. You have beams in your eyes too. We all have beams in our eyes and we all have to deal with um, because I do know that a lot of people, uh, I'll give you this example. Some of my white brothers and sisters may not understand. Why are people saying black lives matter? I don't get it. All lives matter. Well, okay, again, there's all lives matter, the idea, and all lives matter, the political side. And what happens is when you are responding 
if I'm black and I'm saying Black Lives Matter as an idea or a sentiment, which is why I don't think we should be using that phrase, because we need to be clear, clear and, and present some clarity, clarity in the body of Christ. But if I'm using it as an idea and you're responding with all lives matter as a political uh, side, what happens is you are com being completely insensitive to the fact that I'm talking about something right here. And all lives matter, although I agree with the idea, I also don't agree with the political side because I only see it used literally in response to someone saying black lives matter. And this is the problem for, for Christians getting involved in all of these hashtags and movements that are uh, uh, um, outside of Christ. It's because like you're dealing, you're responding to a movement and I'm talking about real life. I'm talking about something that I experienced. And so as an example, when you say all lives matter, Here's the difference. Or when you bring up black on black crime, which I think should be talked about as a beam in our eye as black people. But the problem with bringing it up in certain situations is this. When a black person goes in and murders another black person, although that's just as wrong as what this officer did, that black person goes right to jail, sits under the jail and rots in the jail. OK, the problem with the injustice, I don't believe we can ever just eliminate sin. We have to pray for people and, and preach the gospel for that. People will sin. You will not have perfect officers, right? This is part of the illogical approach that is being pushed right now, that you're just going to solve all of these problems without God. But the problem that should be solved systematically is that when a white person, when a white officer murders a black person, it should not take this level of a movement to get that person charged. And now for my white brothers and sisters, you have to understand now why people are in their righteous indignation, although maybe blindly or just unknowingly getting behind other organizations that don't represent what they think they mean. The reason they're standing on that side is because that it, it almost takes this in some of these instances for these officers not to go scot-free. The real injustice is in that. You know, the, the sin starts at the racism and the prejudice, which is in your heart. And nobody could change that except Christ. And that can I believe black people can be racist, too. That's a whole nother episode. But the problem where the real injustice is taking place is in the system. Watch a movie like uh, just was it just mercy? That was actually a really good movie. Um, and I don't even watch a lot of those racially charged movies because I think they are like a lot of times purposely to get you triggered. Um, but I thought that was a great movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx, Michael B. Jordan. I thought they both did an excellent job uh, in the words of Alex and Lavelle. Excellent. Phenomenal. Uh, they did a great job, though. That was a good movie based on the true story. Right. So to my white friends and family, here's what I want to I want to lend a, a, a extend an olive branch and give a, a piece of advice. You may not like the Black Lives Matter organization and what it stands for. You might not agree with the Democratic Party and things like that. But there is a proper way to engage a conversation, especially keeping in mind when people are already having pent up emotion and, um, and anxiety. It's just a lot going on with your black brothers and sisters. So when you respond, just like all lives matter, that's never going to work, y'all. So I'm just telling you, I, I'm not look, I, I don't I'm not trying to I, I do believe that literally all lives matter. But the problem when you bring it up in that moment is that you're responding to someone's like you you got to realize there are people out here who their kids have been done wrong. People have friends and family in jail. And again, just like the the um the crack cocaine era, 
like where where it was treated differently for black people uh with crack versus uh the white community with cocaine and like the, the way that people go that's where the injustice you got like i want to peel back the layers we're in the inner layer now we're getting past the surface where we're understanding where the real injustice is actually taking place when you ignore those things to my white friends and family it makes you seem insensitive as an example you have people I've seen white pastors and, and not everyone. I'm seeing people take extreme approaches. They either doing too much to try to show their allegiance or they're doing too much to try to because they don't like the organization or the political party. I think as Christians, we have to step aside from the political conversation. The political conversation creates division. What we should be doing as whites and blacks to my black family. Stop criminal, uh, criminalizing every white person. They didn't do it. Everyone is not racist. Don't approach them with that energy. That's going to put them on the defense to my white brothers and sisters. Don't respond with these cut and dry answers and responses. It's not pun intended, a black and white issue issue. There's a gray area. So sometimes what I see on the Republican side, and I want to give you all some help. This is out of love. Again, I'm independent. I don't, I'm not on either side. But a lot of times when I see Republicans talk about these racial issues, you talk about it. And I think Republicans need to rethink their marketing. You see the genius of what they've done with Black Lives Matter on, on this side. And I'm not suggesting that you come up with some evil idea. I'm asking that you be authentic, especially if you think your party aligns with Christian values. The problem is black people are never going to align with it if they feel as a people it doesn't align with their values in our community. Because in our community, we have had injustice for so long in, a, in America, which I believe is still a great country, but we've had injustice for so long in this country that it's very hard to abandon or ignore that for a black person. You got to understand that growing up in school, we saw civil rights people like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks. These people were heroes. That's also what's driving a lot of people participating in the protests, a lot of millennials, it's because we grew up and this was our heroes. So for some people, this is like, it feels like, yo, I'm a part of history, right? As, my, as white brothers and sisters, you have to understand every dynamic of the conversation, which is why I'm peeling back the layers. When you approach it as black and white, you are completely ignoring and overlooking the reality of this issue for our community. And I don't think it's right that a black person um, values their blackness over their Christianity, but at least you got to be able to understand the conflict that, hey, you know, the Republican Party, the way I see them communicate about these issues is always like you always point to the American flag, uh, which means something totally different for black people, by the way. And you always point to things like the wars and things like that. And that's unfair because just from a sensitivity, I'm, I'm trying to show to do this out of love, like as a black person. I want to hear you talk about it in love. I want to hear that you care about me as a person because your experience in America has not been the same for my experience. Also understand every black person who pulls the race car is not wrong. Sometimes it really is the race car, y'all. Even though sometimes we just pulling it and we shouldn't be as well. It goes on both sides. There was this episode of Fresh Prince, one of my favorite episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And Will is walking around in a, uh, excuse me if this is the wrong terminology, I can't keep up with the politically correct terms all the time, uh, a fat suit, right? Will Smith is not fat. 
right? Uh, pl- pretty slender guy, um, especially when he was younger. He was more uh, skinny than he is now. So my, he has this episode where, um, dang, and I say it's my favorite episode. I don't even remember all the details. But here's the, here's the, the, the uh, main point of what's happening. Will Smith isn't fat. He, doesn't, he talks about Uncle Phil all the time, calls Uncle Phil fat, makes jokes. Well, Will Smith has never lived life as a fat person. Excuse me if that's wrong. I'm a big person. Let's call it big. I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't know the terms, y'all. But he wears this suit, this big suit. And he gets to walk around for one day with people reacting to him in this suit as if he's fat. And for the first time, he could see life as a fat man. What I'm trying to tell you is that as a Caucasian believer, you may have good intentions as well. Just like my black friends and family have good intentions with marching for Black Lives Matter. That doesn't make it right. You may have good intentions for responding. All lives matter. The flag, the war. You might have good intentions. I believe you do because I believe you're a Christian and you love God. But the problem is those good intentions don't ignore the fact that you've never had to walk around in a black suit. You don't know what it feels like and how white people might treat a black person when other people aren't around. Because here's a a tidbit I want to give you. A lot of times when people are prejudiced or racist, it is in situations where their other white counterparts are not there. Man, there was this one girl I worked with, and I'm just sharing this because I want to, again, we're in the inner layer now, and I want to be honest with y'all, right? Um, And I'm, I'm trying my best, and I'm not saying I'm perfectly executing this conversation, but just know that my heart is to be fair with both sides and, not, and to be as unbiased as possible. Although I am black, right, that creates some level of bias because my experience has been one-sided. And I'm sure a white believer may have some things to um, express and share to me that I'm not aware of. And I'm open to hearing those things. Email me, JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. If you want to have a real conversation around this, you know, shoot me an email. Share this episode with your friends and family. And let's have a real discussion as a church, right? I understand that we all have some level of bias or a certain vantage point. But there was this girl at work and this girl, I actually, at one point in life, she doesn't even work where I work anymore. So I'm just speaking um, anonymously about her. Uh, She was a Caucasian girl. And um, I remember she was training me. Uh, It was a couple things with this girl. Uh, When she was training me, we were in a neighborhood. We were training in the city of Detroit and we went to seven mile. And she, she never asked me anything about myself. She didn't get to know me. That's also Sometimes the issue in corporate America that I have, like people don't engage you and learn about you. They just assume things when you're black and just like it's weird. They assume you voted for Obama. They assume it's just all this stuff. So this girl never kicked it with me, not never got to know me where I live, all this. So we were in a neighborhood and she was kind of telling me this is my first day training with her. She's like, yeah, you know, we have to be careful over here. Like this is this area is the ghetto. This is a really ghetto area. Right. Just kind of talking bad about the area. You know what's funny? And I'm not exaggerating or lying at all. We just so happened to be driving past the street that I grew up on, that I spent my entire childhood from the ages of four to 18 living on East Side 7 Mile on Lamont Street. There's a, a um, restaurant at the corner that makes the absolute best burgers in the world that I haven't had in a few years now called Taylor Made Burgers. We called it the Fat Burger. These are the best seasoned burgers I've ever had in my life. We were driving past Fat Burger, and she made that statement. And it just shows the level of insensitivity of, wow, you are talking about a neighborhood not knowing that this is where I literally grew up. So you are downing and talking about me and 
in my community and something that's dear to me. I still got friends that's here. Like, I still have friends that live on that block. And, like, for you to say that is just crazy to me. But here's the other thing about this girl, right? Because I don't want you to think, oh, that's one. That's just one thing. She ain't whatever. Okay, cool. Same girl. Um, now, this is maybe a year or two later just as we work together. This girl, I started noticing. Like, at one point, I thought she was cool. I didn't hold, hold a little insensitive. Uh, and sensitive thing against her. I don't do that. I'm not a person where if you do one thing that I just think you're the worst person in the world. I believe in forgiveness and giving chances. So I'm like, cool. Tried to, uh, you know, just working with her. Her office was down the hall from mine for a couple years. You know what's crazy about this girl? I noticed that when other people were around, whether they were white or black, when other people were around, if she walked past my office or when we see each other, we standing next to each other in the break room, she would speak to me, right? Because we literally worked together on the same sales team. You trained me. But I noticed whenever there was nobody else around. So like in our work environment, it's not just an office where everybody's on the same schedule. I don't even work there at that office anymore. But it, it, it's like a, it's a sales office where a lot of us work in the field. You're going in and out. So there are times where there's just one or two of you there on certain days that y'all pick to have office days, right? It's not a, um, a traditional office space. On the days where it was just me and her, it could literally just be me and her. She could walk past me. We could stand next to each other. She literally never spoke to me in her life when other people weren't around. That was crazy to me. And just, just understand the kind of person I am. I, I allow people to be who they are. I'm not one of them people that's trying to change everybody. Like, okay, like, let's have a conversation about it. Like, no, nah, bro, I see you for who you are. It, it is what it is. I, I take mental notes and I put that in my back pocket and I know what you want. But that's what I want to just say to anybody who think that, hey, I've been around with these people and they're not prejudiced. A lot of times your prejudiced friends don't want you to even know they're prejudiced. One thing I want to talk about is the Make America Great Again, because I also think Make America Great Again is can be a sentiment. Right. I don't think every person that supports Make America Great Again is racist. It's also a brilliant marketing approach that that to me is how Trump won the election like that. Um, whoever came up with that marketing slogan is just genius. Like it was just amazing. Um, but here's the thing. Even supporters of Trump and the Republican Party and Make America Great Again have to recognize just like Black Lives Matter represents a thought and an organization and a political view. So does make America great again, because what Trump did, that's genius as well. And I don't think Trump is racist. That's just my opinion. I read his book, The Art of the Deal. He put that book out way before he was president or thinking to be president. He also used to be in a lot of black rap videos. He had The Apprentice Show. No, nobody ever called him racist then. I don't think he just became racist as president. I think he's a narcissist, an extreme narcissist. And a lot of the things he says and does, it, it is not based on race. It's based on narcissism. I believe that's the fair and proper assessment of who he is, because that is consistent with what I've seen from him through the years over 20, 30 years. Now, let's talk about this part where it has this racial undertone. With the Make America Great Again, what happens is some people, like I said, might be saying it as a thought or a sentiment. Um, I don't know. It's a very vague statement. So it means different things to different people. Um, some people might think make America great again, meaning uh, when we had a Republican president, I guess, or when we weren't pushing all of these um, anti um, Christian or anti freedom, anti constitutional views and agendas. 
But let's be real. What happens where what Trump does that's very interesting to me is he panders to the white supremacists. So if there's a white supremacist protest or march or something like it happened last year, he'll say there are good people out there, right? I believe what Trump knows, I don't think Trump is a racist, but I do think Trump knows that racist white supremacists support him. And to those people make America great again means, hey, make America great again when white people were just ruling everything, not that they don't still rule everything or have the power, but when it wasn't necessary for uh, other people to have rights, right? I believe that's how white supremacists look at it. They're white supremacists. And those people, I believe, based on the marches and the rallies that I see, they largely support Trump. Here's why some people may think Trump is racist, because he doesn't go out and say, yo, don't align yourself with me. Don't connect yourself with me. No, he keeps it vague because he know, yo, this might be five million votes. Like, we about to get these votes. This is the problem I have with politics is people are always pandering audiences for votes specifically. So I think to my Republican and my white friends and family, you know, again, I think the Republican Party needs a makeover. And, you know, at some point, you know, I'm, I get really surprised at like the prominent people in the Republican Party that mishandle public relations because you don't have to align with the agenda to speak against racial injustice and inequality. But when you take this black and white approach, I'm just telling you as a friend, as a loved one, again, I have no horse in this race. I'm trying to help you. Like when you when you have this cut and dry approach, it hurts. It even hurts me. And I'm not even on the other side. I'm independent and it'd be like, ooh, that cut deep. Just that you don't even care that we might be getting done wrong and that it might be happening even behind your back, even if you have good intentions. So what I would say to my white friends and family is be aware of how you're having this conversation and also make sure you're keeping Christ as the head of the conversation. Because what happens is when you make the flag or war or even the Constitution, right, that I mean, I hear more people talk about that than the Bible. That's also dangerous to, to hold those things over a people who have a different experience in America than you do. I was reading something statistically that said, like, this was a year or two ago I was reading this. It said that black people are about 130 years behind white people in America. And what that means is you have to realize that, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents couldn't have the entrepreneurial opportunities that some white great parent grandparents and great grandparents had which trickles down for generations um there was this um nursery in the area in the city i live in there was this nursery um like a garden place that um was for sale and you know it sold for like one or two million dollars right and it was just like a, a lady and her sister owned it right and i just started reading the history on that that place was has been in their family for a hundred years you know, their great grandfather purchased that place and just passed it along to their family. And just think, these two ladies ran the business business till they got tired of it, and the city bought it back for them. And they make a million or two million dollars, half a million to a million apiece. I forget the number, but I'm like, man, that would have been dope if my great grandfather could have just owned something and passed it on, right? That that's the generational part that we're dealing with with this racial injustice. That what happens is when you ignore that and, and you're hearing it from somebody, I listen to both sides. I try to have, allow either side to convince me. It's not working so far. 
I, I'm trying to allow someone as a politician or even a, um, a, a prominent speaker for one of these sides to be able to speak through eloquently these issues and be balanced. And oftentimes I can't find it because one side is so focused on, um, you know, just being so liberal that we just going to accept everything. We don't have no rules and we're going to have group thinking socialism. And another side is just all capitalists. We don't care about nothing. We don't care about injustice. And I, I think it's an issue. Even though I'm more um, for capitalism than socialism, for sure. All right, let me breeze through this because now this episode is almost at it's almost at an hour and a half. So let's let's keep it going. All right, so we're in this uh, inner layer. As you see, this is why it's difficult to have this conversation. Um, we got bullying and groupthink. Um, I do think that seeing a positive uh, results towards justice and charges being um, brought up towards the officers that is a good result or good thing that's happening here. Um, there are a lot of um, people that are just speaking out about this positively. Um, but there are also, I got to deal with this, the idolizing and worship of black people. I'm not for it. I'm not here for it. I can't rock with it. Um, here are some real things that I'm seeing out there. I think I was going to say this earlier and got sidetracked. I literally seen one story. I think it was North Carolina. Don't quote me on the location where it was white people outside on their knees crying and apologizing as they washed a couple of black people's feet publicly. It was a black man and woman. I actually think they were a pastor and first lady. And these people, white people, were washing their feet to apologize. I've seen white people walking around in, like, chains and um, saying they're sorry. And I've also seen, um, the, I saw this one video where it was this black dude and a white dude. The black dude has a bullhorn. He's screaming to the white dude, repeat after me. I love you, black man. And the white dude's like, I love you, black man. Repeat after me. I love you, black man. Then he's like, say it louder. I love you, black man. Then they hug. Unnecessary and irrational. I'm sorry. Um, that is not godly. I just don't see how that's godly. I don't want you to worship me. I want you to hear me out. I want you to treat me with equality. I want to be afforded the same opportunities to grow and build a legacy for my children and my family, the same opportunities you have. If I'm brilliant, hire me. If I'm smart, give me that opportunity. It doesn't have to be because I'm black. I don't want to lose it because I'm black, though. I want that level of equality. I'm not against diversity programs that um, at least, um, like in the NFL, they have the Rooney Rule, where they allow, um, you have to interview a certain level of minorities. It's not just blacks before you can hire whoever you want. But the reason they do that is there's a huge difference in the level of opportunities. And sometimes there are, you got to understand, sometimes there are things that, that people feel have to be put in place in order to even to play a field at least some. Overall, I'm for freedom, though. I'm not for this groupthink mindset where everyone has to think the same. I'm also not for canceling everyone who disagrees with me. Um, and everyone, I think we got to be careful for that because what happens when the thing they're disagreeing on is based in your Christianity? Um, also, the last thing I'll say is keep in mind, there are a million things happening across the world. Christians are being beheaded in some countries, abortions, black on black crimes. I mean, there are so many sins. We have to be careful when we are choosing one sin to elevate um, in a country, not saying it's not worth talking about, but it has to be done godly. I think when we have this conversation godly, we will address all these issues, both on the white side and the black side, and not elevate one irrationally um, just to prove our points and um, satisfy our own flesh. 
So hopefully, you know, that has um, maybe shed a little bit of light on both sides of the white side and the black side. Ultimately, like I said, I know I can't say everything. I know there are things I missed and um, even things I missed in my two hour episode. <laughs> Again, I'm not airing, but you can maybe email me and request it. I'll I'll think about it, um, how to share it. But keep in mind, ultimately, my goal and the things I'm talking about is to point us towards Christ. People have been asking me, how do we like what do we do then? If you're telling me I shouldn't be supporting the Black Lives Matter organization and I shouldn't just be screaming all lives matter or make America great again to people, what should I be doing? That leads me to the core of this issue. First of all, I think as believers, we have to be focused on the word of God. I think we should be proactive. I actually think the Bible addresses all of these issues we're talking about and doesn't leave out any of them. But the problem is if we're not reading the Bible already, if we're not proactive as Christians, we find ourselves having to react to these worldly secular led issues and find ourselves protesting next to a person that may agree with you um, about your racial injustice. But that same person may hate the fact that Christianity exists and may be against uh, and maybe for late term abortions and abortions in general and all of these other things that uh, people like, again, the Michigan governor, for one, is for and. Um, you know, people have seemed to like her more because she makes decisions for them and decides when you can go outside and when you can't. And that's a little weird to me because I believe we're more than capable of making decisions. Um, you can have a law that says wear your seatbelt. Again, I get it. You get a ticket if you don't wear it. But at the end of the day, we're in a free country and you can decide not to go out and wear your seatbelt every day and you're going to have to live or die with those consequences. Now, I would prefer you wear a seatbelt because of the fact that it affects other people. But at the end of the day, we don't go out and cancel people for every other thing they disagree with us on. And I think we have to be careful. There are limitations. Not that I want to su uh, support prejudice or racial businesses. I mean, or racial um, racist businesses. I wouldn't. I think it's cool um, a certain extent that some of those are being exposed. But I think some of the levels that we're going to are just a little weird. And I'm not going to not support someone because they vote for Trump or voted for Obama or whatever. I'm just not going to do that. If I like your chicken sandwich, I'm going to eat your chicken sandwich. What I won't do, though, is align with your political views, and I'll be careful about that. And maybe to a certain extent, if I find out you support something, I will make the right, righteous decision not to support you, but I won't force others to do it. Just like I'm not forcing other people now not to um, march with Black Lives Matter or protest, All Lives Matter, whatever, I'm not forceful on either side, but I am trying to present a Christian argument and hopefully you can see that and maybe research it for yourself. But here's the thing that it comes down to as believers. I think we should be proactive. I think one of the ways we handle this is, A, in our local church. I think as Christians, we need to lead the conversation. I'm not looking to follow anyone in the world on this conversation. I'm sorry. I don't care how big your organization is. I don't care how many supporters, hashtags you have. I'm not interested. God called me to be a leader. He gave me the ability to lead, ability to read his word and follow his voice. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. Who are you following? Who is your shepherd? Whose voice are you listening to? As believers, we need to have the racial inequality and injustice conversation based on the Bible. We need to let Jesus be the core and his word be the core. We don't need to ignore it, though. I think if there's a wake up call to the church right now, is that we have not had these honest conversations in the church. I know we have diverse churches. But let me tell you something that I told um, the people in my corporate role when I had the opportunity to speak to a large group on this issue. 
I told them that oftentimes we look at diversity as allowing people to be in the room. But real diversity is allowing people to be themselves in the room. I don't just want to be in your church. I want to be able to be black in your church. I am a black man. I'm proud to be black. I have a certain culture. You have a certain culture you should be proud of. But in the midst of being proud of my culture, I shouldn't just have to solely adopt or adapt to your culture to exist in this church environment. You should be able to listen to and hear my issues without me feeling judged just for sharing them. I think all of this is important on both sides as believers. I think we should continue to have this conversation, but you don't have to hashtag it like the world. You don't have to wear the t-shirts they wear. You can, I'm not judging you, but I'm telling you, I believe that we should be separate. The word tells us to be separate. The word of God unites us by faith. At the end of the day, what I want to do is see next to me that if I'm marching for a cause, that the brother or sister next to me is genuinely and truly marching for the same cause. I don't want to have to question is, are you marching for make America great again, the racist side, the white supremacist side, or the freedom side? I don't want to have to question, are you marching for Black Lives Matter, the racial injustice side, or the political agenda that wants to further um, things like, you know, uh, taking gender away and, you know, allowing all of these, every letter in the alphabet to be applied to um, the homosexual movement. And so I think there are conflicts for sure. Do I have the perfect answer? Not at all. But I do hope that you got something from this today. Understand that I've had white people support me just like I had the girl at my job who was a little prejudiced or weird or whatever it might be. I had a white boss that really was influential in helping me get to where I'm at in my career and jumpstarting that. So I've seen both sides of it. I'm interested in being united by faith. I believe that as believers, whether you are white, black, or purple, or Asian, or Indian, we should be unified. That's what we should be striving to do. Unify as the church. Why would we think that we are ever going to unify in the world, through the world, with the world. That does not seem like a plan to further and advance the kingdom of God. And I hope that you can rock with me on that. I love you and God bless you. God's people, thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoy what you heard, please do stop over to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe to the show. You can just even Google Inspire God's People and enjoy every show all the way back to our first episode. And please do not forget to tell a friend. We love you. Inspire God's People. If you're looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I serve below the surface. It's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world. Look in the sky, there ain't no stars in it. The art is all natural and authentic. Rivers of love, we swimming for us. We can't drown if we fall in it. If you're looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I serve below the surface. It's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world.